Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. the Neil Haley Show in the Total Celebrity segment, and I'm excited to welcome to the program celebrity Robert Wagner, author of I Loved Her in the Movies, Mem- Memories of Hollywood's Legendary Actresses. Robert, thank you for calling. How are you? I'm fine, Neil. Thank you very much for taking the time to have me on your show. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking with you. Uh, it's an absolute honor, Robert. What would you think you're best known for? In your in your career, it's staged from the beginning to now. So many different parts and so many different opportunities. What would you say was your favorite? Oh gosh, Neil, that's an interesting question you asked me. I I had a real good run there when I was doing Heart to Heart. You know the television series with yes. Stephanie Powers. That was that was a good run. And before that, I had you know I I had just been so very fortunate in. Uh, the timing of my career, and and the people that I've worked with, and that's that's one of the reasons I wrote the book, you know, because these wonderful ladies, I mean, they they made a big difference in my life. Believe me. Absolutely. So that's one of the reasons of writing the book, Robert, is to connect the leading ladies that you worked with in your entire career and how they kind of really helped you in a lot of ways, right, Robert? Oh, absolutely. No question about it. I mean, you you can't be a leading man without a leading lady, and they, you know, these these ladies were the best. I mean, they were just absolutely wonderful, and I had the great fortune. You know, I've done two other books, and I've done the other books. I've done them all with with uh, my co-author Scott Iman, who is such a wonderful guy, and we've become very very close friends. And we started talking about all of these wonderful women. And he said, you know, this might make an interesting book. And uh, so we started talking about it a bit and put it together, put down about five ladies and sent it into the publisher. And they reacted very positively. They said, hey, this could be a very interesting idea. So we went ahead and wrote the book. I I don't have all of them in there. I, I couldn't get them all in there because, you know, in television, I worked with so many leading ladies. I mean, they they were just fabulous. But the the women that I've worked with in, a, in you know, like Audrey Hepburn and yeah. Betty Davis and, uh, I mean, God, you know, the, the the range is unbelievable. Oh, absolutely, the range is unbelievable. And would you say they all had a different type of professionalism, the ones you write about in your book, right? The way those legal well, things. Uh, yeah. You know, one of the things is, you know, that one of the things that always fascinated me was that the, the women have it, 
much more difficult than men. You know, they got hair, makeup, yeah. Yeah. Uh, wardrobe. Uh, you know, to be and and to be, you know, um, vivacious and kind and caring and you know all all the guys are saying hello to them and they you know they they, they create so much energy on the set. I mean, they really bring they really bring it and make it alive. And that's so important. And uh, they had to give up a lot to do that because, you know, you can't, to be an actress is a very, very, very demanding thing. And they gave up a lot. And in, in the sense that they, you know, to be a lover and uh, run a home and be yeah. married and have an affair. And, all, you know, I mean, I think women really have it very, very difficult. And uh, in life, period. I mean, yeah. you know, just without being an actress. So yeah. I just wanted to pay a tribute to them because they gave us all so very much and they gave up a lot to do it. And, Robert, when you first start working with some of these leading ladies, so let us know in that way, how do you prepare yourself to understand that actress, especially if you know who she is? that she's worked on other films, and you talk about these unbelievable ladies that are in your book. How do you prepare yourself in your character, especially if you have a love affair with that, that actress? And, and, and well, become, yeah. do you know, I, I, I don't think, I, I didn't do that. I didn't kind of prepare. I just wanted to be just absolutely, totally open and not have any preconceived notions and just listen and watch and, you know, be involved with them and have empathy toward them. And I think that that, I didn't have any preconceived setup of saying, oh, I'm going to be like this with Audrey Hepburn or I'm going to be like that with so-and-so. I mean, I was just fascinated by them and, and, and tried to stay in the moment, which is so very important in life anyway. Absolutely. And were they a help at times, especially when you take like 20 different takes? I'm sure you have stories like that. Robert, where the take is 20, 30, 40 times just to get that right shot and they help you through it, especially when you might be tired or she's tired and working through that type of a scene, a difficult scene? Well, yes, I think actors are always, you know, or they're always helping each other because you're out there and you're totally exposed and you're both trying to do the best you can for whatever you're trying to create. And, uh, you know, I think that's kind of a, a normal thing that people just they watch out for each other, and these leading ladies watched out for me. They were terrific. They were great for me, and uh, they were also very kind and loving. And I, I couldn't, I could never have asked for more than what they gave me in my lifetime. So, Robert, what should we expect in the book when you talk about the different leading ladies? What types of things in the background did you write about the ones that you chose in the book? Well, what you what you should expect is a tribute to them and what they've given up and how they how they approach their work and how they maintain their individuality which uh, is uh, all such a great credit to them and that's that's what I was that's what we were trying to do we were trying to 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 show people what these women really really are and and what some of them were you know they uh, some of them have left us and there's such tremendous influences on all of us and and have been, and that's what Scott and I try to put down in the book. 
tremendous influences for sure. And you can't pick your favorite leading lady, can you, Robert? It's like picking uh, a favorite child or something or a favorite movie. No, no I, re I really can't because each one was so individual. And I, I, I couldn't really pick a, 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 a favorite. They were all so wonderful. They, they just... Uh, they, they just gave 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 me so much and gave us all so much, and uh, it was just a, the best and thrilling moments for me when I had the opportunity of working with them. Absolutely, and who knows what leading ladies you might be working with uh, in your career moving forward, right, Robert? You never know, right? Uh, you never know. I, 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 a script could hit the door tomorrow, and I could be working with some absolutely fantastic leading lady, and I'd be there with my makeup on and know the lines. <laughs> what, what, would, what would you, um, for a new actor or actress, what kind of tips would you provide to work with that counterpart, to be a team? What recommendation would you give a young actress or actor going forward? Well, I think, like, I think all young actors, I mean, there's, and there's so many wonder, wonderful ones around. I would just listen, and I'd watch, and I'd take it all in, and I'd be open enough to react in a honest yeah. and true way that would be move a scene forward or move a relationship forward. I think all that right. would be about the best. Fantastic. You can pick up your book in all finer bookstores. I loved her in the movies. Memories of Hollywood's Legendary Actresses by Robert. Wagner, any can we find information on you? Connect with you? Is the best wiki, or you have social media as well? We can connect with Robert. I, I couldn't understand all of that last one, Neil. Social media, Robert. Best place we can connect with you, social media wise. Are you on social media that people can connect with you? No, I'm not. I'm not. My my kids are on social media. They kind of tell me what's going on. Okay. All right. Well, we'll find you. We'll tag you. Uh, everyone needs to pick up your book. Best of luck, Robert. You really educated Thank me. Thank you on, so much, uh, Neil, and, and a very, very Merry Christmas to you and a happy, healthy New Year. And thank oh, yeah. you. Thank you. Merry Christmas New Year. Take care, Robert. Thanks. Okay. okay take care, Neil. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Neil Haley. I'm great, Neil. How are you doing? Fantastic. All right. So I'm excited to welcome the program Donna Brazil, author of Hacks. Um, Donna, thanks for calling. How are you? And uh, I tell you what, I've watched you so much as a CNN uh, correspondent and uh, through all the politics that have gone through in the last couple years, you really uh, call it down the middle, Donna. And I think that's important, especially when you see some of the mainstream media and what they do. You know, when um, I spent over a decade of my life being a political commentator, and the one thing I learned is that when you go out there and talk, you don't use talking points. Uh, when I looked into the camera, I thought I was talking to somebody in middle America, like Kansas or Nebraska, uh, and also with the keen understanding that I'm a Southerner, a Southern woman. And so I have always tried to be a voice of reason, of sanity. I try not to attack, although I've fallen short. Uh, I've made uh, amends for some of the mistakes I've made, but I love my country. I love the American people. I love our democracy even more. And I just like to tell people what I know to be the truth. So it's really interesting, Donna. I was always into watching Fox before Trump ran for president. And then slowly but surely, lots of uh, 
I get centrists and uh, conservatives started watching CNN. And I think it's because basically there's both sides of the story debating on stage. It's not like we're one side. And I think that that's what's so great when you come on CNN, that you're going to, ha- you're going to have conversations with people that don't completely agree with you, but you are, you have a debate that is uh, professional and also gets the right points out, not just a bunch of, uh, of spinning things, you know? Well, CNN um, was my political family as a commentator. I love CNN. I love the people there. I always felt that whether it was Wolf Blitzer uh, during the day or Don Lemon at night, I had an opportunity to get out my point of view but also listen to the other side. I made so many friends uh, working over the years for CNN, conservatives who are still my best friends, liberals who I did not know as well, still my best friends. And I thank God I had an opportunity to have a platform on CNN for over a decade of my life. All right, so your book again is Hacks, the inside story of break-ins and breakdowns that put Donald Trump in the White House. And uh, like I said before, when I, when I interviewed other people about why President Trump got his first big run uh, to get any sort of night. Uh, notoriety to become president was again the celebrity status that he had. He was able to take that first part and then uh, really be different as a politician that ma- really captured people's interest. Wouldn't you agree that's part of the, the, the whole process that got him any interest in beating all of those Republicans in the primary? There's no question that Donald Trump had he had, a, he had knowledge about television. I mean, he had knowledge about social media. Who knew? He also had knowledge about the anger and frustration uh, that many Americans felt toward Washington, D.C. He was the quintessential anti-establishment candidate in a disruptive political year. If you look at both the Trump campaign and the Sanders campaign, there was one thing running between the mm-hmm. two, and that was people were angry at the status quo. Trump on the right had the ability to say, this is how we're going to do it differently on immigration. This is how we're going to do it different uh, on taxes. This is how, what are we going to do different in terms of helping the American people grow their income. Bernie uh, had the same kind of anti-establishment wave when he said, we're not going to spend the next four years going to war. We're not going to spend the next four years embracing uh, bad trade deals. We're not going to spend the next four years giving money to uh, Wall Street uh, bankers. So you had the, the same type of message, but different messengers, but reaching different people with the same emotional, what I call, level of, of anger toward the status quo. No, definitely. And I think that what got uh, didn't get Bernie uh, winning the primary was money. Hillary Clinton had, uh, Senator Clinton had too much money, more money than Bernie. The difference was that Donald Trump had enough money uh, to be able to beat the establishment. Uh, that wasn't the case with uh, Bernie Sanders, Senator Sanders. And we probably would have a different election outcome of with Sanders against Trump, I think. Well, here's what I believe. I don't think it was money at all. I think it was the message and momentum. Bernie had a lot. Bernie, this was Bernie Sanders' first race as a Democrat and a Democratic Mm -hmm. primary. Um, It wasn't about money alone. It was the fact that Clinton had more of an infrastructure advantage. If you've run for president at least 
uh, twice. This was her second run. Her husband had run twice. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that knew the Clintons personally. Bernie, this was his first uh, rodeo as a Democrat. And just because you can get on a horse don't mean that you can ride it throughout the whole process. I have ample faith that the Democratic Party uh, not only became stronger because of Bernie, uh, his involvement, along with Martin O'Malley and others, but the Democratic Party showed that we have to open the doors to millennials. Bernie motivated them. We have to open the doors to new people. Bernie reached them. And I think had Secretary Clinton uh, and uh, been able to utilize more of what Bernie did in the primary and the general election, we would have seen different results because he had the kind of anti-establishment message that people wanted to hear. And they didn't want to just hear the, the usual, we got to cozy up to Wall Street, we got we to gotta make sure that Wall Street's taking... No, we got to make sure that the average American, Joe and Jane America, feel that this economy is working for them and that they're able to uh, take care of their families and to prosper exactly. uh, as well. And if that message would have uh, taken certain Democrats to understand that as much as the Republicans understood uh, President Trump's message, there would have been a different story. I think that basically that Sanders' message was a little bit – it resonated with part of the Democratic Party, but it did not resonate with the entire, as that President Trump was able to have it resonate with most of the Republican Party, plus people who were independents and also some Democrats. So there goes the yep. – Difference uh, The Electoral College, especially, as I often say, that Donald Trump picked the lock. <laughs> but the door was mm-hmm. open. It was open to hearing from someone like Donald Trump, a different kind of candidate. He was not an establishment candidate. He ran against the Republican Party establishment. If you see him today, he's broken all kind of norms. He's been able to get away with things that no one else would have gotten away with. Can you imagine Barack Obama saying that I can shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and get away with it? He couldn't shoot nobody at a pool table uh, and get away with it. So this is a different norm, a different different kind of candidate in in the most disruptive political year, perhaps in a century. And the breakdowns to get President Trump into office, what would you say they are without giving away your whole book? What would you say that we're going to see that from some of the thoughts? What do you think those big breakdowns were? Well, I, I, I mentioned several, but, of course, what comes to light is one that we're still discussing today. we got to talk about foreign meddling. And I know the president yeah. gets upset yeah. when we talk about the meddling of the Russians in our election. He should not get upset at the investigators. He should get upset at the fact that we had foreign interference in our election. What he should say to the American people is, I acknowledge that the Russians did this. I don't believe they helped me, but here's what I want to do next time, that nobody's meddling in our election, and we don't plan to meddle in anyone else's. We're going to build a cyber defense that is second to none. We're going to ensure that all of our election systems are protected, that we're going to get rid of antiquated machines that no longer have a, uh, you know, what I call an easy lock. We're going to strengthen all of our cyber defenses across the board, our, our infrastructure, our electrical grid. Without saying that, President, President Trump appears to be given uh, what I call comfort to the enemy. Yes, the enemy is a foreign government that uh, dislikes our American democracy. Number two, there's no question in breaking the lock in those three states, uh, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, yeah. 
two two of those states that Bernie carried in the primary. What Trump did was he talked to voters that Democrats are not talking to. Democrats cannot have what I call the easy path to the White House, relying on 18 states in the District of Columbia to secure 270 electoral votes. They must go after every voter. Even if I voted Democrat all my life, I still want somebody to call me. I still want a bumper sticker, a poster, a yard sign. I want some life that the Democrat knows that I'm here and I still want to be courted. It's like any kind of relationship. You don't want to be ignored. Why fall in love when people believe that you already like them? So I think that's number two. The firewall, the Democrats have to protect the firewall in all of those key battleground states. Last, and I think most importantly, um, and I say this in the book, and I say it with love, and I call it tough love. Uh, we got to ensure that when we go out there and compete in the primary that uh, all candidates feel like they have a seat at the table. You know, there's an old saying uh, is yeah. that when we open the door, everyone should get a seat at the table, otherwise you're on the menu. We shouldn't just have you on the menu. We should have you at the table setting the menu, making sure that the recipe is good enough for you. So I would hope that in the future we have an election that is free of bias, free of error, and all of us can play a role in, in making sure that happens. Absolutely. And last point to think about in all this is, again, uh, WikiLeaks. If WikiLeaks would not have come out to, to put Senator Clinton in that position, the, that was the biggest turning point for President Trump to win the election. If that would not have happened, I don't know if we, we would be talking President Clinton right now. And I'm sure you brought that up as well. WikiLeaks really, the way it came out right at that point in time, completely changed everything. It really did with uh, certain things. So, yeah, we have to look at all those different uh, components. And your book is available in all finer bookstores. Is that correct, Donna? Absolutely. Also online, go to Amazon. You can also download it. It's a great read. I'm not just promoting my book. Uh, because I think uh, it's the book of the year. I think it's a book that gives every American some keen insights into hacking and how to protect their own cyberspace at home. Uh, make sure That's that true. everything has a password and it's not password with the lower P. Uh, at work, make sure <laughs> that you don't put the devices in your machine that corrupt it. So read the book. You'll learn a lot. Most importantly, uh, you'll know how to protect your own cyber uh, defenses in the future. Well, Donna, thanks again for calling. We can check you out. I'm sure we can Google you all over the place. And uh, interim chair of the Democratic National Committee, well, congrats on uh, doing that right now, and uh, best of luck with all your ventures, and thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Always a blessing, and uh, may you and all of your listeners have a wonderful and peaceful holiday season. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too, as well. Take care. Thanks. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show. We'll be back in just a we're back to the Neil Haley Show and the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the program from The Bachelor and Bachelor Paradise, Corinne Olympios. Corinne, thanks for calling. How are you? And I know you are excited, Hi. excited, excited about delving into my my world, what I do every day, which is radio, podcasting, TV. you got to be pumped up about Podcast One, aren't you? You're excited, aren't you, about this opportunity to do a podcast? I am so excited. I, I think it's, like, the most fun thing. I get to, like, talk to celebrities, talk about anything and everything, and it's kind of, like, free reign. So I I think it's so fun. Now, let's talk about a little bit about your background. Do you have any experience interviewing people? Because that's the process. I've probably interviewed in over eight years, almost 10,000 people, and I've learned so much from so many of them, and it's so much fun having that conversation. Have you done this before, you know, maybe uh, delve into this at all before this? Yeah, I've done it 
No, I've actually never done, you know, hosting or interviewing or anything like that. So um, I was kind of nervous, but, you know, I, I'm a talker, so I figured it would just come really easy to me, which it did. And, you know, I think it's, it's going really, really well. I'm, like, actually pleasantly surprised at myself. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting, Corinne. If you're a talker, you're perfect for this. It's not like you have to have this professional voice and talk like a radio host. You have to basically have a conversation with who you're interviewing. Really get down deep and really understand, hey, I'm here for you. I want to talk to you. I want to listen and hear what your answers are. And you're going to have so much more success than the old-fashioned broadcaster. Be yourself as you are when you've filmed, I mean, taped a lot of this and understand that's how it works. And the success is being yourself, I think. A hundred percent. That's like my number one thing I tell everybody. Um, always be yourself. And, you know, I, when I was filming Bachelor, I was completely 100% myself. I have no regrets. Right. And I know that I would have regretted it if I wasn't fully myself. So I try to just live my life day to day, like always being fully myself. All right. So tell us about your podcast and what's the theme of your podcast. You said you're going to interview celebrities, but so if people connect, um, go ahead and check it out for sure. Well, it's the podcast one. So you can get it on the podcast one app or Apple podcast. It's called so random. Um, we just have, you know, different people on, um, You'll, you'll always know who they are, and we just talk about anything and everything. We go off on tangents. You never know what we're going to end up talking about. That's why it's called So Random. It's just fun, and it's an easy listen. It's, you know, something good to listen to in the bath or on the way to work. Exactly, and your, your craziness, right, Corinne? The, what made you uh, become known and, and a celebrity yourself is what you, we should expect from this podcast, right? You're not going to be afraid to ask questions to, these, to your guests, right? You're going to be willing to oh, go off on yeah, <laughs> and embarrass them at some times or, or just make them blush for sure. 100%. It's, it's always a fun um a fun conversation, I'll put it that way. <laughs> so right now, can you tell us some of the um, episodes that are up on podcast one right now of, of some of the people you're going to be interviewing or is it, when is the launch for sure? So people can go check it out right now. So it comes out every Thursday right now. We have three episodes out. My first guest is Drake Bell from Nickelodeon. Oh, wow. Um, I second guess. Yeah. Yeah. I loved him growing up. So I was totally fangirling, but it's so funny cause he was actually a fan of mine too. Um, my second guest was, um, Megan Granger. She's, um, you know, really funny. She's, she has her own podcast. She does a lot of comedy. Um, so that was really fun. She's also a good friend of mine. And my third guest, um, was girl with no job. She's a blogger, Instagrammer, socialite. So you're trying to have a variety of guests, Corinne, and that really speaks to your theme, it sounds like, your show, so that it really is random in the conversations and stuff. Yeah. So Because you see, like, some of the guests, they their popularity and what you want to learn from them. I think I could see that in, in the way you want to pick your guests. Hey, you want to say, what are they doing now or what what is so cool about them? And to really ask the the random questions, right, for sure. Well, I think, you know, everybody that I invite on, they do something cool, and I want to learn about it and talk about, you know, stories that, you know, that happened to them and 
things like that. Um, it's always just very random. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I like that. I like that. So can you have a – do you have a random question for me, Corinne? Did <laughs> you want to ask me? Uh, go ahead. I'm, I'm ready. It's a Friday morning. <laughs> if you have a random question for me, throw a question at me for sure. Let me give you a quick background. I'm a former professional wrestler, uh, former teacher, entrepreneur. So question for me, a random question from giving you that quick background. Teacher. Yeah. A random question. Yeah. Okay. Um, what was the craziest question that, you were asked as a teacher. Okay, that's a great question. I, I honestly think the craziest question I would ask is, uh, see that, that so that's random. So I start thinking about you know the, we ask so um, students ask the craziest questions, Corinne. And I taught both elementary school, fourth grade, and I also taught high school. I guess one of the craziest questions was, can I put my bag of weed on your desk? Seriously, I was teaching in a, as a special education inclusion classroom. See, there you go, Corinne. You're great at these questions. I just had to start to jog my memory. And literally the kid asked me, can I put my bag of weed right on your desk? In, in one of those resource room classrooms. And? Yeah. And the answer was, if you, you oh call God, security. so funny. Yeah, call, call security. And then he ended up getting uh, dragged out of class. So that's, and it was a city school in Pittsburgh. Yeah. That so that was see you are really good at those wow. random questions. That's awesome. Thank you. All right, so where can we check you out, Corinne, and, and social media wise and stuff like that? I love that question. I'll have to tell my wife that one. She's like, "Oh my gosh, you told everybody about that story." But where can we find more info on you, Corinne? Where can we go check you out um, social media you can wise? Follow me on at huh? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You can follow me at the Olympias on Instagram. Um, you can find my podcast on the Podcast One app. It's called So Random or Apple Podcast. And um, my snap is also the Olympias. All right. Thanks again for calling, Corinne. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, too. Take care. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show, and we'll be back in just a moment. The Neil Haley Show on the Total Celebrity segment, and I'm excited to welcome the program Harlem Globetrotter Scooter Christensen. Scooter, thanks for calling. How are you, man? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm doing good. Fantastic. Uh, really glad to connect with you. You guys are coming on December 26th, and uh, you're really excited to PPG Paints Arena to Pittsburgh. Has is this going to be your first time with the Globetrotters in Pittsburgh, or you've been here before? No, I've been here before. Uh, this is my 13th season with the with the Globetrotters, so I've been here a couple of times. Um, I just hope I'm one of the one, one of the sides that comes back to here because we have 30 players on our team, and they always switching us from team to team. So I'm hope I'm hoping I'm to uh, be the one to come back and uh, put on a good show for Pittsburgh. I I didn't know that. So there's 30 players, Scooter. Wow, 30 players on the whole the Globetrotters now. So you got sort of right, yeah, and that. yeah, and they'll split. They'll split us up to like two, two, three, like it'd be a red unit, a blue unit, and a white unit. You're kidding me? Oh, okay, very interesting. So tell us about how your career started. And uh, I know you played at the University of Montana. Tell us a little bit about. Did you ever think that your journey would take you to the Globetrotters, especially being uh, never, recruited to play at University of Montana? So tell us that recruiting process of choosing Montana to play for the Grizzlies. 
well, what happened was is that I was born and raised in Vegas. So uh, one of my good friends at the time in high school, I played for two years. I played two years with. He went to Montana, and he was a year ahead of me. So uh, there, Montana was heavily recruiting me. And uh, I figured, shoot, you know, they're offering a, a full-ride scholarship. My One of my best friends, I played ball for two years in high school. He's there. He already had the dorm room and everything. He got everything already hooked up, so it seemed it was an easy transition. So, But <laughs> once I got there, then he ended up leaving, and then he tried to get me to go oh, with him. No. I was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not doing that, man. So, But uh, I had a good, good tenure there. I got my bachelor's degree in sociology, uh, graduated in 2002, I uh, went to the NCAAs my senior year, played against the Oregon Ducks the first round. Uh, after that, I uh, played for a couple of minor pro leagues. Nothing was happening for me. Wound up getting being an, an assistant video coordinator and a practice player for the Phoenix Suns. And we used to have a, a pickup games on the weekend all the time. And and we used to get a lot of, draw in a lot of crowds from that. Well, here comes the Globetrotter Scouts based out of Phoenix, Arizona, which I didn't know. They're actually looking at another player that I just happened to be holding and guarding and playing against at that time. And they asked, well, who is this kid? And the, and the Phoenix Sun Scouts said, oh, that's our video coordinator, man. He, he he does a lot of stuff for us. And they said, well, he can play. And then they invite me to the Globetrotter camp. And 13 years later, here I am. That is absolutely wild. And, did, were you familiar with the Globetrotters' history when you were being recruited by them? Were you familiar? You know, with the I didn't know. I didn't know that. Yeah, you know, I didn't know that much. I knew of them, but I didn't know the history like I know the history now. You know, and I always tell people that, you know, I never seen the Globetrotters as a kid. I never been to a game for the Globetrotters as a kid. I only played in them. But the first time I've ever seen them was on the cartoon of Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember that episode for sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah the first about time I've ever seen them. Exactly, a metal mark, lemon, curly Neil. I saw curly Neil and metal mark, lemon, uh, as a kid. Right. So you're, and I'm dating myself. I'm 44. I played free uh, <laughs> college basketball for Western Maryland, which is McDaniel College now. So I'm familiar with, and and my goal was, uh, I was thinking I'd be a Washington general someday. Never happened, yeah. but I was. <laughs> I was hoping to be a Washington general because, again, those guys are great players as well. People have to remember that, right? Who, yeah, I don't know the Washington generals anymore. Yeah, yeah. I always tell people that, that yeah. you know, that those guys, you know, they're not any pushovers. I mean, they, they, they've played some pro ball overseas, and, you know, and they, and they can play good. You know, I mean, it's not like uh, they're not they're just any old average Joe out there playing, you know. So, yeah, but they're really good. Now, putting on a show, we talk about the history of Curly Neal, Metal Arc, Lemon. When you're getting recruited, you don't have a lot of those showmanship skills yet. You have the ability to do it, but then it's, there's a lot of training involved to be a performer doing this, these shows, right? And it's developing exactly. your skill and that makes you – explain that, yeah. Yeah, the, the, one of the biggest transitions for me personally – is because, you know, I've been playing competitive ball ever since I was five years old. So now when you switch over to the Globe Charters, you know, it's like um, now you have to, like you say, you have to learn some showmanship. And the things that you've been doing, um, you know, it's more entertainment now than like a c- competitive type of basketball game because it's not your average basketball game, that's for sure, you know. But And that's something that I, it was a learning curve for me. But I had good veterans ahead of me that kind of showed me the ropes on how to, uh, you know, had to be a glow charter 
on and off the court and stuff. So so now it's like if I happen to miss a shot now, you know, I can't go run down court with the scrowl on my face. You know, I got kids looking up to you, you know. They don't want to see that from a globetrotter, you know. So it's just like you have to kind of hold hold in your, your attitude a little bit and, and, and just kind of have fun with it, you know, which has helped all of me and my teammates just become more outgoing and, you know, be able to take some risk out there. So it's, it's, it's been good. Being a teammate, such an important thing, Scooter, isn't it? It's a, it's a very, very important part of the, of the process. And this is a team, not an individual when you talk about the Globetrotters. Exactly. You know, I always tell people, too, I said, um, you know, when you think of, let's see, if you think of the Cavaliers, who you first person you think of, they say LeBron James. When you think of the Warriors, yeah. you think Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. I said, when you think of the Globetrotters, what do you think of? And it, it is like you can't pick one because we all do something very special that brings the Globetrotters who we did, that, that brings that Globetrotter magic day in and day out. I said, you can't pick just one because we all do something a little bit special. And it's and, and, and we that's all we do is team stuff. You know what I mean? All the practice that goes into the passing and knowing what we're going to do before we even do it. You know, that's just countless hours of practice. That's all that is. Exactly. Countless hours of practice. Practice makes perfect. Scooter doesn't it for sure uh, in, in the process. And, that's so important and for the expectation. Now, practices. I like you said practice makes perfect. You guys practice like any NBA team, any college team does. Am I correct? But you're going to be traveling a lot being a globetrotter, but the practices are as intense as any other competition, isn't it? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, we, have, I mean, we actually do probably a little bit more than yeah, than the NBA team to be honest with you, because we 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 go through our regular shooting drills, we go through defensive drills and rebounding and passing, and then after we do all that stuff, then we get into the the glow charts in our our craft and our and our moves and trying to come up with innovative things to do with the basketball and trick shots and you know all all different type of stuff. So it's like a whole nother whole nother level of, of things so we do we, we do both because we try to hone our skills on both ends because we we realize that when you come to the low charter game we're going to give you some competitive basketball but you're going to get some entertainment at the same time and if we can put those two together you got a, a heck of a low charter show absolutely again we're talking to scooter christensen of the harlem globetrotters and again they're coming to ppg paints arena December 26th at 2 and 7 o'clock. Tickets still available. It's amazing when you go from town to town, Scooter, how you guys literally almost sell out everywhere, that this is the hottest ticket in town, and you better go. It goes fast, doesn't it, especially when you're traveling from town to town because you're only there once a year. That's right. You know, and I've been I've been telling everybody uh, this would be a great Christmas present for the parents to get for their kids if they've never seen the Globetrotters play. And uh, and sometimes it's so funny because sometimes the parents are more excited than the kids because they remember when they were a kid watching the Meadowlark Lemon and Curly Mills how, how fun and how excited they were. So hopefully we can give that same uh, to their kids. Oh, absolutely. And I remember that. And then, again, I'm going to be coming uh... – with my son, thank you again for the passes. I've not gone to a Globetrotters game in, I think, uh, about 20 or 25 years, so I will be there on December 26th. If you are there, I'll have to hit you up on social media and say, hey, I'll be there, Scooter. I'm six foot ten myself, so I'd love to 
get some photo ops with some of the players and stuff if there's an opportunity and see you guys because, again, that it is something I grew up with. I love Curly Neal, Metal Arc, Lemon, and it was probably one of my favorite games to go to when I was a kid was the Globe. Oh, that's, and, and that's the, good. That yeah, means a lot, sure. man. Absolutely. So really quickly, if we're jumping into specifics, you've traveled all over the world. So there are That's people right. listening right now that love to have a tryout. You know, they may have finished their college careers and love to have a tryout with the Harlem Globetrotters. Explain how challenging but also rewarding this job is because you get to travel all over the world, right? We're not just talking right. Pittsburgh. We're talking all over the place, right? Yeah. I mean, my first year as a Globetrotter, I must have went to 10 different countries, and now this is my 13th year. Coming on to my 13th year, I've been to 83 different countries as a Globetrotter, you know. So uh, you get the chance to see so many different uh, types of people in uh, different countries, and you're seeing, like, the beautiful side of this country and and, and what do they have, what's, what's, what's the norm over here, you know, just something to see something different, you know? I mean, when I first started, I'd never been to Pittsburgh or Florida or Texas. <laughs> and, you know, my first year, I'm actually going to about eight to ten different countries. Um, wow. But, you know, we have, a, but we have a scout that goes out and finds talent just like any other organization, you know, um, and, and it doesn't matter. You know, we, have, we also have females on our team. You know, Lynette Woodard was the first female to be on the uh, men's uh, uh a men's pro team, you know, so she represented for the ladies and she, and now we, we have like three to four women on our team now that's representing for all the ladies out there and making them believe that they can, they can do it too. So we have it all, man. I mean, we have it all. And, and the good thing about uh, the Globetrotters, man, is that you don't have to be a basketball fan to like what we do. You know what I mean? You can just come to yeah. the game and just enjoy yourself. It doesn't have because we get a lot of those fans that don't really like basketball, but they love the Globetrotters because we make them smile, we make them laugh, and they never remember the score. They remember just having a good time and us bringing them joy, and that's exactly what we do. And you guys are approachable too. That's the other thing. Oh yeah. You guys are very oh, humble. I think that's the best and part. You know, yeah. You know, we, we're. I think we're the only team too that after each game we take about 25 minutes and we put a rope around the court and we sign autographs, take pictures, give high fives, give hugs, everything. <laughs> it's an amazing thing for sure, Scooter, and exciting times. And everyone needs to check out. Uh, so I didn't know if you were going to be there or not. I guess what you see is whatever your schedule is, because there's December 26th, you'll be in different cities because of the popularity. For sure. I hope you're coming to Pittsburgh, but if you come to Pittsburgh another time, we'll definitely have to get that shout out going for sure. People again can just go ahead and contact PTG Paints Arena to find out for tickets, but also they can go to the website, right? Where's the best place scooter also to check out the Globetrotters? Because again, this is nationally, internationally syndicated. So you can go to the website, Harlem Globetrotters website, and then find out all the information of where they're going to be next. Is that correct? Right, that's right. And you, I mean, if you want to know in any other place where we're being, you can always log on to HarlemGoldCharters dot com, and you can find all your information right there. Real simple. And can we follow you social media wise, Scooter, on different places so we can connect with you? Where can we go? Uh, well, you know, I'm just on Facebook. I'm I'm one of those guys. I don't have a Twitter. Uh, I don't oh, have an Instagram account or, or, or nothing like that, man. But you could. I mean, I think our Instagram as an organization is uh, is at Globies. 
or something like that. So, so you can log, I mean, but, yeah. but, but you, you can actually log on to Globetrotters.com, HarlemGlobetrotters.com, and you can find all that information on there. But me personally, I don't have any social stuff, man. I know I'm boring. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do it, especially when you have that Guinness Book uh, World Records record for the longest duration spinning a basketball on your nose. You have to get on social media, at least go on YouTube and, and have that for yourself out there. Come on yeah. now. You got to think about this thing. You're, you're a brand. Once you get a Guinness Book of World Records, you can, there's no way you can't hide it. Well, I appreciate you taking uh, the time. Best of luck. <laughs> and I'm hoping to be promoting the Globetrotter events all over the world. So look forward to talking to more of the stars, not just the ones that are going to be coming the prior year. I'm glad we're connected with you guys. You do a tremendous work with community. Awesome stuff. And thanks for calling, Scooter. And best of luck. Thank you. Thanks for having me, man. It's been fun. Take care. It has been fun as well. Take care. Thanks, man. All right. I'll see you. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show. Remember, December 26th, PPG, Paints Arena, the Harlem Globetrotters. Take care, everyone. We're back to the Neil Haley Show on the Total Celebrity segment. I'm so excited to welcome the program. International pop star, Ananya Burla. Ananya, thanks for calling, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. And you're co- where are you calling from right now? Uh, Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely my pleasure. Are you calling? Um, I'm actually yeah, the go. studio, so I'm just, I'm just in the car. Um, I just stopped over for to, to have this conversation with you, so... That's where I am currently. I'm, I'm in my car. <laughs> in your car. In your car. And yeah. in parts unknown. No, no. So tell me how you became a, a, a singer. Kind of give that whole process of how you developed when you first started. Do you always want to be a performer? I always knew that I loved music and I wanted to sort of do something in music. I just didn't know in what capacity. And then I went to study at the University of Oxford, which is like an hour away from London. Um, and, uh, I started gigging around in London in like pubs and cafes. And eventually I realized that, um, this is what I want to do in my life. I want to take up as a career. And so, um, I, you know, I started sort of producing my own stuff, uh, making demos and just going around. And, um, I pitched myself to Universal Music Group India and, uh, I remember the head of marketing met me and he said that come to the office and we'll sign you as an artist. That's a sort of a succinct version of what went down two and a half years ago. So that's amazing. And then that, and that, how that, that becomes, once you get signed to become internationally known, that process, it has to do with your talent, but also the team you have around you, right? Getting the, the music Absolutely. distributed. And it's really changed this business, right? Before your certain countries were only ones that were really popular for, for certain types of, especially pop music. Now the whole world is, so it's a totally different game, Ananya, than it was, let's say 20 years ago in the music business. Completely agree with you. And also because of social media on the interweb, right. it's just, it's the world has become one, one unified place. And it's, it's, it's great as well. Cause now we have access to uh, different sorts of talents all over the world. And it's, it's changed everything really. Um, so, yeah. Absolutely. So kind of tell us a little bit about your style of music, Ananya, uh, so who you kind of pattern yourself after as a musician. Sure. I think my so my style is surely within the pop realm. Um, my, my my first no, my second single meant to be just one platinum in India, 
which is certified by IMI, which is international uh, Indian Music uh, Industry. Um, that was that was great. Um, Are you there? Ananya? Hello? Yeah, yeah. I thought I lost you. Okay, continue. So you were... Sorry, you're can continue. you just repeat no. that question? Yeah, continue with the question. Oh. We'll go answering that question. So about uh, your style. Go ahead. Right. So um, so basically, yeah, I think it, it's, in the, it's in the pop realm. Uh, Meant to Be, which is my second single that, that just went platinum. Um, that's more electro-pop, I would say. Uh, but the EP that I'm releasing uh, early February has some really... Um, interesting music on it, so a little bit of electro pop, some 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 stuff that's a little bit more acoustic yet in the pop realm. Um, so it's it's pop, I would say, and it sort of pushes the boundaries of pop a little bit here and there. Um, but so yeah, that's my sound for now. And uh, to answer the second part of the question, I look I look up to various different artists for many different things. Um, I think uh, this has nothing to do with sound, but just as an artist, I really right. look up to Eminem. Oh really? He has the ability. Yeah, I love him. I love his music, firstly. But I, I feel like just as an artist, he has the capability of becoming so vulnerable, and that's what people connect with because they see themselves in him in some way. And it's not easy because you're you're telling your 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 personal life and your story to the entire world, literally, and you're opening yourself up to all sorts of judgments. Um, and I really look up to him for that, and that's why people love him so much. So I think Eminem is is my sort of role model. In, yeah, interesting. In so my, and so so you'd say you that's someone you really like. Do you kind of look at specifically enough his style, and you put some of it into your music, or would you say it's just some an artist you really admire? Yeah, it's, it's, he's an artist I admire, and I and I sort of I, I sort of I, I go with the fact that I need to be very authentic with my music, which he is as well. So in that way, I do sort of patented in that way but more it's it's not about the sound really with with him it's more about just that i look up to him and admire him Awesome. Okay, and we're again talking to Ananya Burla, and we're talking about uh the latest the newest EP but also you talked about hitting platinum. Did you think that was yeah. going to happen in in your career? I mean, I know it was a goal of yours, but that had to have been really a, a great accomplishment <laughs> yeah. for yourself that you really were kind of pinching yourself, right? That you hit platinum. Yeah. yeah. It was insane. Um, I actually, I was in tears when I heard it. I was, I was at the, uni- I was at the Universal Music uh, Group uh, office in India, uh, my home neighbor, and that's when they told me, and I, I couldn't believe it. And because, because, uh, so this was, this, I'm the first Indian artist, again, by IMI, to have gone platinum with an English song. Because Bollywood is huge in India, yes. Um, so I was really taken by surprise. Uh, I knew people were liking the song, and I was hearing it all over the place, and I was hearing it on the radio, and people were saying nice things about it. But I didn't know that I, I couldn't fathom the fact that it actually went platinum in India. Um, I just I was really grateful, and you know, um, all this, my supporters have just been just been so so great about it, and people have loved the song. So I feel very blessed. Now, again, a lot of times international artists, their goal would be to, you know, the UK, United States to really become huge in those countries because you watch it all the time, especially when you look at Mm -hmm. Eminem and different people like that. What is that process now like for an international artist to really make it big in the U.S., that process? Yeah. 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 Tell us about that. that, that, That's a great question because that's exactly where I am with my career. 
um so after sort of making it in india and releasing music in india um the next step for me is to go international right so um to break into various different markets uh but i think um it's very important and i've learned this with time to uh get a lot of love from your home country yes because that's where everything starts from um and then from there i think you just have to continue to grow your brand in different ways be yourself just i think the, the, the main thing which will always remain is that you have to continue to write music write good music and just uh, keep growing as an artist really um and eventually the opportunities keep keep opening up and eventually there will just be this one uh blast like this one song that'll just you know catapult everything and exactly um it's it's just the way it is like you know you just have to you just have to trust the journey and keep going um but it's different now with with the internet and with, yes. with social media i think it makes it makes it it makes access easier but then there's there are more people and more information so it makes it a little bit tougher right. as well Exactly, because the, the market's so large and stuff. So now looking, trying to break in, let's say, let, let, let's say in the United States, getting your music played on the radio, even though that's becoming more and more of a pastime in certain ways with iHeartRadio and things like that. But I'm thinking the old school uh, way that you, things used to be before YouTube, before those different things, especially for, you know, to hit mainstream pop culture, it's hitting every week, you know, every day you're listening, you're in on that. Where is yeah. that in that process? Do you feel that one of your songs could end up that way, in, especially in the U.S., especially as an Indian artist and looking at internationally. But you know, that's not, yeah. I mean, I hope so. That's that's the aim. That's the goal. And I don't think myself or anyone on my team we're gonna we're gonna stop until we we reach there or even beyond that. Really, that's that's the entire game. I mean, that's a, a game is the wrong wrong word. That's the entire journey. That's where we want to reach. We want to sort of make it internationally we want people all around the world to hear hear the music that I'm making um so yeah hopefully i have radio <laughs> now um, any artists in india really broke through in the us i'm just wondering these questions because it's really interesting in the fact that you hit platinum that yeah. you know looking at other countries the uk or different probably uk yeah. how, what have you seen of other artists that have come to the us yeah, yeah. if i heard of priyanka chopra so she So she was in Bollywood basically she's a very experienced uh, and acclaimed actor and uh, she released i think two songs in the states but then she now that she got into Quantico which is a TV TV show so i would oh, say yeah. that she's one sort of Bollywood actor who sort of went international um there's been another one who who uh, Who, uh, but it's it's more in films. The ones really done in the, in the music space. Um, so there have been Bollywood actors who have Indian actors who have been in uh, in movies in in, in yeah. Hollywood, but no one really in the in the singing space in the music space. So it's it's all a bit new, yeah. really. And it might be you. And we don't know, but again, continued success uh, internationally. And honestly, I look at it like this: you know, if you're a star everywhere in the world, and it takes longer to get to the U.S., 
so be it. That's that's what's so great about this country now and the world. I mean, the world and the fact, the internet and everything. You could become a superstar in in seconds as you were again going platinum. But to to try to break into different markets and opportunities, I, th- I see you really have that passion and that drive. And so, where can my listeners, especially all over the world, again, we're we're nationally internationally syndicated as well. Our show we're on in the UK, Canada, United States, and you know streaming all over the world. Where can where can our listeners check you out right now and listen to some of your music. Where's the best place we can go? Totally. Um, I guess the best way is to follow me on Instagram, which is so it's Ananya underscore Birla. Um, so that's A N A N Y A underscore B I R L A. Hopefully, I wasn't too fast. <laughs> and then it's Ananya Birla Vivo. Um, so you can check out my music there. And then it's all over, really. I mean, Apple Music, Spotify. Um, iTunes, so you can you can check out my stuff there. Um, my new single will be releasing in January and January. All right. An EP will be releasing in early February. A new music video as well. Um, so I think 2018 is going to be a big year for me with with my music. Um, and I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Really, um, I've been in I've been coming to LA very very often to yes. write. And I absolutely love the people because um, they're so open-minded and very accepting, actually. That's great. I'm hoping that um, I can get some love from you and people will like my music, hopefully. That's at the end. Thinking of an entrepreneurship, the first thing I'm going to say is, Ananya, you're the only, you're the first ballet artist that's successful going to the U.S. That helps in a lot of ways for music that's not involving movies and stuff like that. So there's no one else competing against you. So that makes you a interesting brand itself right then and there and your music is talented so that's the opportunity so best of luck in 2018 thanks for calling and definitely you're welcome to come back anytime to talk more about your music and i'm i'm gonna get i'm I'm, I'm hoping for the best and like i said before you're a star already remember that because internationally and you go to your country you're so well known and in other countries You'll break into the U.S. if you keep trying in, in the Western world. So just keep rocking and rolling, and thanks for coming on the show. I will. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Take care. Have thanks. Day, you too. Thank Bye-bye. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. You're Thank listening to Neil Haley's show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.